What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Team all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show. Heath Klein in for Chuck today, hanging out with you, talking some college football. And I am really psyched to talk to our next guest. I'm always excited to talk to any of our folks that we have on the show, of course. But this is a really unique story. Maybe you heard about it because if you're a big college football fan, then he might have come across your radar. But maybe not. I wanted everybody to hear it because I just think it's it's the kind of thing that all of us have dreamed about doing at some point. Right. No matter what kind of a fan you are, no matter even if it's college football, maybe it's the baseball trip or whatever, who hasn't had the dream of, hey, what if I just took months off and just went to every stadium in the country for this sport? Something like that. But you don't do it. You don't do it because you've got a job, you've got responsibilities, you've got other things. And so you never actually do that, except for Roger Sherman actually did. You find him on Twitter, R-O-D-G-E-R is the handle there if you want to go back and look at it but over the last few months he documented what he called road rage and he literally did exactly what i just said he just he quit his job a good job by the way quit his job and went out to see as much college football as any one human could possibly see and he joins us now here on the chuck oliver show roger how are you i'm good i'm good uh yeah when you when you say it uh, like that, even four months in, it, it seems like a pretty pretty ridiculous thing I did, huh? No, not at all. That's the thing. What you did <laughs> is what a lot of people dream of, but there yeah, are reasons sure. they don't. And you had a vision here of how you could make this happen. This is, frankly, not something you could have probably done even maybe 10 years ago. But with mm-hmm. what is feasible now with creating content, with people being willing to support you because they have a relationship with you that they've developed over not just reading your work but social media whatnot like you you couldn't do this 20 years ago if you had been in the exact same guy at the exact same point in your career your life this would not have been viable but you found a way at a time where it is and so just just take people through how this this started and how it went from there yeah uh basically i uh i wanted to see uh, I, I've been writing about college football for about uh, 10 years, uh, and that I was writing about it mainly from my apartment. You know, I, I had a job as a as a blogger. I would watch the games on TV, and I would, you know, say what I thought about them. Pretty pretty good setup, honestly. That's that's kind of it's <laughs> kind of all <laughs> a pretty pretty fun thing to do. But I just kept thinking to myself, I got to go see all the places. I got to I. I college football is not just a sport to watch on TV. You know, it's a sport that 
kind of has to be experienced. There, there's a real big difference between watching a great college football game on your couch and living the atmosphere in person. So I decided to go see as many of the places as I could in 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 one season. Um, went to 62 college football games over the course of four months. Uh, drove to just about all of them. Took three flights over the course of the year. But drove around the country, went to 43 states, and, uh, yes, yeah, saw saw teams in every conference, saw teams in every division of football, saw, saw every every level from, you know, SEC games all the way down to Division three and NAIA games and, uh, and just just tried to see as much of it as I could in, in four months. And now I am home and I have been sleeping mainly since uh, since January 10th, since I got home uh, last Wednesday. I've just, I've just pretty much been in a cocoon hibernating. I can't blame you for doing that. And again, uh, Roger had a job at The Ringer. I want to emphasize this, too. This isn't just a job as a blogger. This is the kind of thing that people will happily knife each other to get. And he still chose to go do this. Uh, so so you said 62. And, and so people in their cars now are saying, wait a minute. There's only so many weeks of the season. Even if this yeah. dude lived at Maction, he, how did he get to 62? The other part of the equation that I think is fascinating here is, when people before the season say, like, oh, I'm going to make the baseball trip. I'm going to see eight stadiums in seven days. I'll, I'll catch two games in New York and Philadelphia and Boston. Everything falls perfect. You didn't have a plan when this started. You were literally asking your supporters, okay, you know, am I going to Duke or am I going to Bloomington, Indiana or whatever? I mean, you were yeah, completely doing this seat uh, of the pants. At the start of the season, we were. It was definitely crowd. I, I would just ask people every Monday, "Where should I go?" I, w- I would try to come up with some trip ideas that were pretty, you know, convenient. Like if there was a place near, uh, if there was a game on Thursday night and there was a fun Saturday game that that weekend, you know, you try to link them up together to 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 get those numbers going. Um, towards the end, I kind of had a clear picture of which games what I. I wanted to go to, you know, when it's bowl season and I saw 10 bowl games, there's pretty much only a couple every day. Um, there were really only two possible routes that I had mapped out uh, for, for bowl season. I, I was just able to drive around Florida pretty much. But, yeah, I, most weeks um, I didn't know where I was going until on Saturday until, like, Wednesday. <laughs> um, and logistically the, the the college football trip is is like you said i think a lot of people do this with baseball which is relatively easy uh in comparison because um there are baseball games every day you know but they're only the biggest football teams only play on saturdays um I tried to pack in those Tuesday and Wednesday games. Like you said, those action games uh, uh, spent a lot of time just driving in a big circle around Ohio, trying to get as many of those games as I could. Um, and uh, yeah, the amazing thing is I went to 62 and I still feel like there's so much more that I didn't see. You know, there's 130 FBS teams. Uh, I didn't even make it to, you know, most of the, most of the like, like bucket list places I wanted to see. So it feels dumb to go to 62 and still have this sense of FOMO that I got. But yeah, I got it. I, 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 there's just so much to see it. Every place is different is the amazing thing about college football. You know, every place prides itself on the way that they do things differently than, you, you know, arguably with college football, 
you, you really have to prove that you do things differently from the teams you're closest to. <laughs> you know, the team just from across the state is the team that you want to be like the least. So everyone wants to be distinctive. Everyone wants to show you why their place is great and why their traditions are interesting and worth, worth celebrating. And uh, yeah, I, I uh, made it to 62 and still got to go find a couple more uh, over the rest of my life. Roger Sherman with us here at the Chuck Oliver Show again. He did road Rodge and, and went all across the country watching college football. So, all right, 62 different games. Not all of them, obviously, are on campus. A bowl game experience is different than an on-campus experience. Oh, yeah. Single most, I'll say surprising, because you probably had some expectation when you went to places. Single most surprising place. Could be good or bad, but surprising experience you had watching college football this year. Um, I, so, like I said, I went to a lot of the Tuesday and Wednesday games. And most of them are pretty dead because people have things to do on weeknights. You know, they have, um, you know, they have to something to wake up for in the morning. And then when I went to Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina on a Tuesday night, it was just like that entire part of the state of North Carolina showed up. Uh, for that for that Tuesday night game, and I was just blown away by that. It was an awesome setting, an awesome place. Um, like, part of the thing, it, it was tough, a little tough for me to be surprised by things just because of, you know, like you said, I've been, I've been writing about the sport for 10 years, but after going to, to a bunch of Tuesday and Wednesday games and, and seeing no one in the stands and then going up in the mountains of North Carolina and finding an entire city, you know, uh, pouring into to see a Tuesday night game, uh, I was I was blown away by that. You know, it's funny because people watch those MAC games on Tuesday and Wednesday nights, and I've done it myself. And you say, "This is dumb. Why are they playing on Tuesday, Wednesday night? Nobody comes to these games. You can't possibly get enough benefit out of being on TV with an empty stadium for this to help with recruiting, or you know, the money can't be better than having people in the stands for the game, right?" But then I went to a Mac game involving Buffalo and Bowling Green on a Saturday in Buffalo, New York, and I realized at least there they only drew like five thousand even for a Saturday game. So, so Tuesday and Wednesday, if that gets you the TV exposure, why not? Uh, maybe some other places are more into their football than uh, than Buffalo and Bowling Green on a Saturday in October in in uh, Buffalo. But uh, it, it does seem like maybe there is a reason that they kind of said, hey. If we can own something, we can't own anything on Saturday, so we can at least own Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, I didn't make it out to Buffalo, but, like, yeah, they've got a weird situation with I mean, the, the NFL team is, is the big draw there. But, like, it's kind of this weird thing that keeps coming up, not just in terms of when they play the games, but, you know, I mean, we look at conference realignment now and, and where all the teams are going, and that definitely seems like something that's, you know, because of – potential tv ratings more than it is you know the the fan experience of the games why are we putting you know i went to oklahoma versus oklahoma state in stillwater and that's a rivalry with so much local meaning and they turned out to it like it was the super bowl and we're getting rid of that because the 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 tv numbers are better for will will be more you know, interesting if we put them in the SEC and we have them play all the biggest names of the sport. But you sort of find yourself. I kept wondering 
over the course of the year meeting the people who are most passionate about the sport and who are showing up every Saturday or Friday or Thursday, um, like what what you just keep finding yourself wondering what what purpose we're making these decisions for. And like you said, I went to a bunch of bowl games too, and those are totally different. And those are also just, just more for TV because you'll go to them and sometimes the stadium's got nobody in it. But if it if it helps fill up a TV slot, they play the game in a, in a weird place between two teams that don't, don't really have any beef with each other. Um, so, yeah, I, I just found myself coming back to that over and over again. A couple more minutes here with Roger Sherman again. Road Rodge was the project, and you still have got a bunch of content. I know you haven't even gotten to Unleash, right? Video content, things like that that you yeah. you haven't even gotten time to put out there. So there, there's more Road Rodge to come, yes? Yeah, so basically uh, my initial plan was I'm going to go out there. I'm going to film every moment of my life. I'm going to put it all. I'm going to put it all out, and I still plan on doing that. But the thing was, like I said, I was driving to all the games. So I just like by the time the midweek game started coming around in October, I just was too uh, tired to um, like, like really I would drive like six days, uh, six hours. I'd go to a game, I'd fall asleep, I'd wake up, do it again. Uh, So I didn't really have time to put out the stuff I wanted to. So my plan if, is to uh, put out videos about the entire experience and maybe get some writing done about about the things I saw. So I, I'm curious, was there a point somewhere along the way here where you, I don't know, mid-October were just like, you know, I didn't have to do this. <laughs> I, I, I could have just <laughs> stayed home. Did, did you ever doubt what you were doing? I would say um, that driving six to eight hours a day is really bad for uh, your brain. <laughs> You're supposed to talk to people sometimes. Um, uh, and yes, uh, pretty much when you're driving, uh, somewhere in between the morning adrenaline and the moment where like the stadium is like an hour and a half away, I'm definitely thinking, why, why, what's, why are you doing this? You should be at home with your wife and your dogs you should be sleeping you should be doing your job but then the amazing thing is i just like when you get into the game even if it's like a kind of sparsely attended game no matter what you really just get sucked up in the energy of the people who are there the passion so i would say like every single day while driving i would have a why are you doing this moment and then every single time you get to the tailgate or walk into the stadium it 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 vanishes pretty quickly then it comes back the next day which which is to be expected but the 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 actual college football experience uh, never got old was there any other takeaway you mentioned about you know breaking up things like Oklahoma Oklahoma State was there any other takeaway that you felt like you got by being out on the road as opposed to being that guy watching six games on TVs and, and writing about it back in your in your home. Was there any, one big takeaway you came away with? I mean, for sure. I mean, I kept going to places like that where where you see. I I really tried to focus on like the interstate right, like interest. When two teams from the same state are playing, like I went to Montana, Montana State, those those sorts of games, and and I just kept feeling that feeling for sure that that there's something you know special about the sport that just doesn't translate through the screen you know when 
when two teams that have a genuine, two teams, two fan bases that have a, a genuine rivalry, genuine reason to want to play the game. That, that just, there's an energy and an atmosphere there that you just cannot capture with a camera. You have to be there and you have to live it. And honestly, no matter how, like I said, I went to some pretty empty games, but when you talk to the people there and you see why they care uh, and when you see the players like up close and personally and not just as like kind of little dots on your screen, it, it feels very different. And I know that's kind of a basic takeaway to have, uh, but like that's, that's something that, uh, that's something special that I don't think you can change about college football. I think no matter how much change comes, uh, has come to it and how much change will come to it. I, I think there, there's something that can't really be replaced there. And, uh, I, I hope we figure out how to hold on to it. Yeah, it is going to be fascinating these next couple of years because so much is shifting and in such a hurry to see kind of where this all goes. Again, I could talk to Roger for another hour, but I'm not going to because Roger has a life. Uh, but I will just tell you, check his stuff out. Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R on Twitter. There's a whole link tree there about uh, different stuff related to this project. If you're somebody who likes to buy T-shirts, there's merch tie-in you could do there that uh, would actually help out too. So it's a cool thing you did, Roger. I'm glad you shared it with everybody. And, uh, yeah, get, get get some more sleep, man. I, I imagine you're going to sleep till about Valentine's Day, and I don't blame you. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going to try to figure out what's next in my life starting on Monday. Today's still the sleep portion. And understandably so. Roger Sherman, thanks for being with us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. There you go. There's the uh, lowdown on the uh, the, Raj, the Road Rodge trip again. It, it, everybody's talked about this. Everybody. I don't care who you are. At some point you talked about, oh, man, what if we went on a trip and we saw X? doesn't matter what it is. He did it. And <laughs> Yikes, did he put himself through some stuff with some of those drives. All right, we will continue. I have some shocking, and I do mean shocking news. You will be blown away by the developments out of Capitol Hill coming up here on the Chuck Oliver Show. football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show chuck oliver show heath klein in for chuck today coming up in about yeah, 10 minutes we're gonna head to columbus Bill O'Brien in as the offensive coordinator of the Buckeyes. What does Bo Bishop make of that and more? We'll talk to our man in the Midwest straight ahead. But first, yesterday, Congress had a hearing on name, image, and likeness. Stop me if you've heard this one before. But maybe this was going to be the one that was going to get something done, right? Everybody's agreed that we've got a lot of things happening in college sports and there's no one really in charge. And one thing that actually could help with the problem would be if somehow there was a national standard of some kind that would standardize anything and maybe that would make it harder for any time someone attempts to pass any kind of rule through the system for attorneys to just go and say, nah, sorry, that doesn't stand up. You don't treat all students this way, so you can't treat athletes this way either. That might help. 
The problem, of course, has always been, from back when Mark Emmert was trying this strategy, trying to get Congress to do anything right now is very challenging. We are not a political show, but I think anybody, no matter what side of the aisle you are on, can acknowledge this is not a Congress that has been known for passing a lot of legislation. Naming a post office or something, it it could be a stretch with this Congress. So here's your shocking information after yesterday's hearing attributed to uh, Congresswoman Lori Trahan, who was part of the hearing, saying that she doesn't believe Congress will come to a consensus on granting employment exemption or antitrust status to the NCAA. Quote, that is not going to pass both chambers. This Congress just doesn't seem like the Congress where we're going to have a lot of bipartisan wins. These are big, thorny, tough issues. I'm not optimistic. This is going to be a Congress where we figure out college athletics at large. After those comments were attributed, then another congressman, uh, Brendan Boyle, who is also involved in this, says, quote, I fully agree with my colleague. So after yesterday's hearing, you have multiple people who participate in the hearing saying, yeah, we're not actually going to get anything done. (laughs) Forget it. Not going to happen. Remember, the reason that the NCAA is now being led by Governor Charlie Baker of Massachusetts was the idea that being a political person, as opposed to the most recent hires having been former college presidents, the idea was, hey, this is a guy who was a governor in a state where the Democrats typically have led that state. He was a Republican governor who was able to get things done in Massachusetts. So now perhaps he will be able to go down and as a Republican work with both sides as he was able to do apparently in Massachusetts to get something moving forward. That was literally the entire concept of the NCAA's hiring of Charlie Baker. And it's not working. Now, that doesn't mean that Baker can't be a more effective leader than Mark Emmert in other capacities, but this was literally the specific skill set that he was brought in for. The idea that they needed help in D.C. and that no one cared much for Mark Emmert, uh, his style of leadership, he, he just, he did not help with that. No one said, let me partner with Mark Emmert. Let me seem to be assisting Mark Emmert in achieving his goals. But this one is somebody with a political background and direct ties to people up there. This head of the NCAA could get something done. I have no idea what will happen in November of this year, but at best now you're hoping maybe in 2025 something gets done. And in the sports issues, they can't wait for maybe something gets done in 2025. And even then, well, probably won't. Not good enough. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. 
You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Sports Today. It is the Chuck Oliver Show. Heath in for Chuck today. And right now we head up to... The snowy Midwest, where we're joined by Bo Bishop. Bo, of course, uh, hosts every day on 97.1 The Fan in Columbus, Ohio. And last night, there was some news out of Columbus that got people's attention around the college football world. Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator. Hmm. So he said, let's talk about that and some other stuff that's been going up there. Bo, how are you? I'm doing well, buddy. Seven inches of snow and counting. So the Huskies are out, ready to mush them and, uh, and find our way around the world. When you found out that it was going to be Bill O'Brien, there have been a lot of names linked to that job as as possibilities. We mentioned yeah. Liam Cohen from Kentucky was one earlier in the program, but there were certainly some others that were being thrown around. Uh, what did you think when you heard it was going to be Bill O'Brien? So late last week, Keith, I got, I got word that he was the apple of uh, Ryan Day's eye from the jump, that he was the guy that he wanted. Um, and it was just a matter of could they come up with a scenario where – uh, where it was something Bill would reciprocate that interest. And once that started to happen earlier this week, uh, got the feeling that this was going to be where we were headed and talked about it yesterday on my show here in Columbus. And so, you know, I think what Ryan Day realized this year was that in this world of college football with NIL and a perpetual recruiting of not just high school players, but re-recruiting the guys on your own roster and then scouting and recruiting guys on other guys' roster, he needed another adult in the building. Uh, he needed another head coach type. And one of, the, one of the things that happened to his staff last year was the loss of Kevin Wilson. And Kevin Wilson was a longtime assistant at Oklahoma, and he was a head coach at Indiana for a while. And um, what Kevin did on that staff was provide somebody else in an executive role. And when he left, they didn't replace him with somebody who had that experience. And so I think what Bill O'Brien does is he provides Ryan Day with some more NFL experience, some more CEO experience, and some more leadership in that staff. As part of this, quarterback coach Corey Dennis is expected to, quote, transition into a still-to-be-determined role with the program. For those not familiar with Corey Dennis, uh, Corey (laughs) Dennis is the son-in-law of one Urban Meyer. Uh, So I assume he's going to be given an office and assigned to continuing to be the son-in-law of Urban Meyer. Uh, is that basically what it boils down to, Bo, is that yeah. you had a dead spot on the staff, you couldn't have the luxury of being a dead spot on the staff anymore? That's it. Um, Corey was, uh, you know, his obviously his relationship with Urban was a big part in the reason he had the job, clearly. Um, and he had never been in that position before. And so it was one where they just weren't good enough. And I think, honestly, it, it really came home to roost in the Cotton Bowl game against Missouri where they were proven to be wildly incompetent at the quarterback position. And not just at the starting position where McCord had transferred out, but uh, when, when Lincoln Keenholz had come in, a four-star kid, uh, a freshman came in, he was completely lost, and they didn't trust him to even throw the ball down the field. And that was an indictment of that position group entirely. Do not, for your audience out there, do not minimize the idea of Ryan Day demoting slash firing, pushing aside Urban Myers, Myers' son-in-law. Like, this is very much now Ryan Day's program. There are obviously still a bunch of guys with connection to Urban on the staff, especially in support, um, but this is very much now Ryan Day's program, and he is under a tremendous amount of pressure. This is the most driven, determined offseason I've seen in Columbus since I've been here in 2007. 
everything that they did with the collectives on player retention. They kept all of their players they wanted, save for Marvin Harrison Jr., and there was no dollar figure that was going to bring him back to Columbus for a fourth year. They kept everybody else. They landed the guys they wanted to in the portal. They are still aggressively pursuing the Alabama players that are now available in the portal. Um, So this is the most determined. And I, I said this this morning on my show. Sometimes there is a very thin line between determined and driven and desperate. And sometimes desperation drives those things. And I think that's what's happening here. Bo Bishop with us from 97.1 The Fan in Columbus. Again, Bill O'Brien's the new O.C. The thing that immediately sprung to mind when I saw that they were pushing Dennis aside was what happened when Lincoln Riley took over at Oklahoma and didn't really get a chance to put much of his stamp on the program. And as the defense continued to be very bad with Mike Stoops as coordinator, who, of course, is the brother of the guy who brought him there, there was that time where he finally had to say, hey, he's got to go. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to show respect here, but I can't keep losing football games because Mike Stoops can't do this job effectively anymore at this stage of college football. That's what this kind of feels like to me, only it took a lot longer for it to show up there than it did uh, with Stoops. It was only like a year and a half in Norman. Sure. But that's what that moment felt like to me. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think the other thing about it is is perhaps early the early Corey Dennis when he was young, when he was the quarterback coach, was was masked by the fact that they went Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud at quarterback. I mean, you have first round quarterbacks, you can get away with a lot, right? And Ryan Day still coached. They, they, he still coaches that room and the starter, but you needed to have guys being developed underneath, and that just did not happen under Corey. And it was something that that was really exacerbated this season when that room was just completely ill prepared. Kyle McCord was their handpicked guy. They picked him over JJ McCarthy. Um, he was handpicked by them. The fact that he was that he played the way that he played this year, which was fine, but certainly not up to their standard, um, was a, a, an incredible reflection on what did not happen in that room. There's no question that the Buckeyes are always aggressive when it comes to acquiring talent. But as you mentioned, this does feel different. And in some ways, what they're doing trying to keep the kids is modeled very closely on what Michigan did last year, what they called the one more year campaign or whatever to keep all those kids around and and it paid off. Uh, For some of these kids like Trevion Henderson, I got to be honest, I I didn't see this coming. So neither. I mean, what do we have any idea? What kind of dollar figures are we talking in NIL that gets a kid like that to stick around for another year of college football? Because you know as well as I do, Bo, the, the word on running backs is, look, you're almost never going to be a first-round pick anyway. Yeah. Do not run any more tread off your tires in college than you absolutely have to. He's choosing to. That that has to involve a decent dollar figure. Yeah, I, I, I hesitate to throw... Because it's just the wild, you know, it's so wild west when it comes to these numbers. I don't know what's real or what's not. I know that it's significant in terms of what it took to keep the roster together. I think the Quinshawn Judkins transfer helps a lot in keeping Travion here. The the argument that I am told that they went to Travion towards, and in addition to a nice financial package, was, hey, now you got two guys, and when we're going to play in a in a twelve team playoff. We're going to need two guys, and we will not run the tread off your tires. We have two number one running backs. You guys can split it, and you're both going to get a ton of carries, and and we're going to keep both of you guys healthy and prepare both of you guys for the NFL. So that's kind of been the pitch that they've had. To your earlier point about Michigan in the one more year, that was a part of it too. But I think, honestly, the bigger inspiration for what Ohio State did this offseason is is something that that I call, and sometimes people up here get upset with me about it, but it really is the SECification of the Ohio State Athletic Department and the football program specifically. For the first time 
since NIL has been a thing, the Ohio State collectives are kind of rolling in the same direction. Um, in the previous years, they would war against one another, all kind of competing for the same dollars. They're much more organized now, and I think the hiring of Ross Bjork from Texas A&M who was at the forefront of the Texas A&M NIL collectives, obviously, and also part of the writing of the Texas law with name, image, and likeness. That's just kind of the final step towards that of, of we're going to all be aligned when it comes to name, image, and likeness and all row in the same direction. And I think this is the first offseason they've had that. A couple more minutes here with Bo Bishop again, 97.1, the fan there in Columbus. You went where I was going to go next, which is that they did just announce a new AD yesterday in Ross Bjork. I got to be honest, I would not have guessed that the dude who signed the biggest contract in college football and then fired the dude that signed that contract just a couple years later, I'm not sure that would have been the skill set I would have been looking for for the next Buckeye AD. Uh, Is it that? Is it the financial commitment from A&M that they're trying to bring to Columbus? Is that what this is about? Yeah, I think on the as I was talking to some people around A&M about the Jimbo contract and the Bjork part of that, it, it, it sounds like to me um, that, that there were influential boosters at Texas A&M that said, you can't lose this guy, pay him. And so he did. And then those same boosters said, hey, this ain't working, fire him. So he did. So he will not. The Ohio State program is not as meddlesome. The boosters are not as meddlesome as they are at a place like Texas A&M. I think the Bjork hire was about this, and this is an incredible change philosophically, and it's not just Bjork. It's President Ted Carter, who comes from Nebraska and the Naval Academy. The previous three presidents hired at Ohio State were all from the world of academia. They were all hired with the idea of, we have got to bring the academic standard up. These guys are about hard cash. That's what Ted Carter's about. He's about fundraising. He's about cash. And Ross Bjork in his press conference uh, yesterday here, when he talked about this is the first time in Ohio State, someone in the North, honestly, he's, has come out and said, we are headed for a revenue sharing model, and we need to be have a seat at the table on what that looks like. Gene Smith, who's been here for a long time as the athletic director, has never talked like that. Nobody up here has talked like that. Not at Ohio State, not at Michigan, not at Penn State, not at Notre Dame. The fact that he talked like that was refreshing to me, and I think that's what this hire was about. It was about fundraising, sure, but it was also there's a new model coming in college football, and we need somebody aggressive to be able to handle our part of it and make sure our seat at the table is one of the biggest. So they bring in Will Howard to be the quarterback. That's certainly expected, at least, with him coming in from Kansas State. We certainly saw what was behind him, and it didn't look very inspiring. I mean, do they go get somebody else, Buck? I mean, with the way that with the way that they're throwing money around, would would they would they go and say, "Hey, let's let's bring somebody else into like we saw Lane in Oxford yeah. be able to land Spencer Sanders, even though he had a quarterback in place. Sanders never really got on the field much, but they were still able to convince him being here at Ole Miss might be good for you. Could could we see them go get another guy? Because I mean, if, if Howard gets hurt or anything else right now, it, it feels like you're kind of back to the same spot you were, and it didn't look too inspiring. Uh, if you're throwing money around, why not? Yeah, I think Julian Sayan, the kid from Alabama, the five-star number three player in the country, who's an early end role at Alabama, I think they are in high-speed pursuit of him. I know they're visiting with Caleb Downs today down there, the safety at Alabama. So I think they're aggressively pursuing all of those things. And I think philosophically it's a sea change for Ohio State as well. Um, and again, part of that SECification of the program that I'm talking about, they are now viewing the roster in a year-by-year way. So, Heath, it used to be we're going to sign a quarterback out of high school, develop him for a couple of years, and then he's going to play. They're now viewing it as 
we will sign a kid, and we're worried about next year's team. So, yeah, Will Howard is going to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State next year. They have a five-star kid in Aaron Nolan, four, four or five-star, depending on what service you look at, who's already on campus, a freshman. But do I think they'll, that they're going to go after this Saiyan kid full guns a-blazing? Absolutely. My hunch is. And I, from what I understand, they're the leader in the clubhouse on him. Um, so I, I think you will see them aggressively pursue him. I think they would look more in that route. They're not going to look at, you know, like a two- or three-year guy who's coming in for one year. They feel confident in Howard going forward. I think the only guy that they probably would have liked over Howard was Riley Leonard, uh, but they got into that just too late. So Howard will be the guy for next year, and then I think they will be very aggressive in trying to add to that room, and I, I'm certain that they will be – I'm certain they've already talked to Sand, and I, I'm sure that they are one of the front runners. I'm sure, along with Georgia for that. So looking at the schedule, realistically, this is a playoff team unless they lose the only three competitive games they have. You got at Oregon, you got at yeah. Penn State, you got Michigan coming to you. The other nine games, they're, it's, it's impossible to come up with a scenario they should lose any of them. They don't have a Notre Dame in non-conference no. this year. So, I mean, I, I can't imagine the playoff would be enough. This year would have been playoff. And it clearly wouldn't have been enough. So how far does he have to get, Bo? I mean, does he have to wind up holding well, the trophy at the end of this thing? Does he have to play for the trophy? Like, what will be acceptable this year? Well, he can't lose to Michigan. So um, if he loses to Michigan, then he's got to win the national championship. That's what I would say. So if Michigan's going to be in shambles, um, they should handle them. I don't even know if we can call Penn State a competitive game. Penn State doesn't beat Ohio State very often. James Franklin doesn't win big games ever. Uh, I think the Oregon game is the one to circle, obviously. that's It's out there. The Big Ten did Ohio State an incredible, incredible disservice. They did not, they're not playing USC this year. They're not playing Washington this year. Not even playing UCLA this year and all those teams' first year in the league. Um, it's a shameful thing that the Big Ten did. And I think Ross Bjork will try to remedy some of those things with the way the Big Ten handles Ohio State. Um, I think he's got to get to the final. I mean, they, he, just from a talent on the roster standpoint, it's them in Georgia, right? Like, who else can match that? I mean, Junkins and Henderson, all those receivers, they get the center from Alabama. They're still aggressively pursuing other offensive line help. They bring back the entire defensive line except for Mike Hall. All the corners are back. If they get uh, the safety from Alabama, I mean, it's, uh, how much talent do you need? If he fails with this amount of talent, yeah. I mean, the seat's very hot. And I think that the seat being this hot explains the way that he's going about his business. Yeah, you can put Texas in the conversation, too, with the way they're sure. vacuuming up talent, yeah. but that's about it. You're right. And and it, it just sounds it sounds bananas to be talking about someone with that record being on the hot seat. But, again, when you when you have nine games that are layups, you're just not going to get that much credit for the the overall record. It's it's what are you Correct. doing in the games they care about most, and, and recently it's just not been happening. Bo, always appreciate it, man. Be well. You check out Bo again every day on 971 The Fan in Columbus there in the middays. And, Bo, we'll talk to you down the line, man. My pleasure, brother. Always, my, always a pleasure for me. There you go, Bo Bishop, our truce reporter on the Ohio State Buckeyes here this hour on the Chuck Oliver Show. All right, coming up on the other side, we've got an audio treat for you. We want you to go into the weekend on a good note, so we're, we're going to give you something to perhaps enjoy a little bit, a little, a little singing for you to take you into the weekend. We'll explain coming up here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. You can't do your job anymore. And people can say you got to change with the times. How does changing with the times help you have better relationships with your players when it's all transactional now? 
So what kind of relationship can you have with somebody that is telling you, I might be here one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, or I might be at four schools in four years? And this has nothing to do with the money. Forget the money part. This is about the oppor- the ability that they can you can just walk out anytime you want. That is the voice of Gino Ariyama. He is the longtime coach of Connecticut women's basketball, venting. We're seeing some of the coaches, and, and right now it feels like there are more of them on the basketball side than the football side, but we are definitely seeing a whole wave of coaches that are just saying, yeah, I'm not feeling this era here. I'm not liking this. And some of them just left and didn't complain about it, and others are sticking around but are complaining about it. You, know, you saw guys like Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams on, on that side of the sports world step away, Jim Beheim less eager to do so, but eventually had to acknowledge that it was time, whether it was up to him or not, it was time. Uh, but you, you've had the curmudgeons over there. There's not an equivalent to that with football. And what's interesting is the person that you would say, oh, well, he would be that way would be Saban. Saban didn't act that way. This is a basketball thing more than a football thing. Even as you're seeing so many guys on the football side move around, the football coaches seem to have adapted better to it. You know, you had... Saban say, no, NIL is not what drove me out. The transfer portal is not what drove me out. Uh, went out of his way, in fact, to say that was not the case. That he, It was almost like he was offended, the idea that he, as an older coach, wouldn't be able to adapt to something. When he has adapted so often during his career, uh, the idea that he, as one of the all-time elite recruiters in the sport, wouldn't be able to adapt to whatever the landscape was. But, man, on that side... Uh, that happened to be him, but it could just as easily have been Tom Izzo. Izzo's been ultra grump mode in the last year or two about what's going on with the sport. Um, I, it's not all good. I wouldn't tell you it's all good, but it just is. It's like the weather. You can be as mad about it as you want, but it shouldn't be cold. It shouldn't be icy. Okay, great, but you still better put on a jacket, put on some uh, footwear that'll help you have tread if you're on ice, and then go out and, and go on about your day. Railing and complaining about it isn't going to make it sunnier quicker. So I, I give credit to people like Saban who did adapt and figured it out. Uh, but it's just interesting because there was a period of time in college football where there are a lot of those kind of veteran guys. There's really not a peer for Saban. I mean, look around. Who are the other biggest, best coaches in the sport right now? You know, Kirby Smart is a generation behind Saban. Obviously, the person who's replacing him, Kalen DeBoer, is about a generation behind Saban. Sarkeesian is still well behind Saban. Uh, Harbaugh is closer to Saban, but even there, you're talking about a gap of more than a decade. Obviously, Ryan Day is a lot younger than that. You know, the only person you could point to that is sort of a quote-unquote Saban peer would be Mac Brown. Mac Brown at least has a national title, played Saban for another one, and is in his 70s, but Mac Brown being at North Carolina and having been out of the game for a number of years before he turned back up at a school he had already coached in the past, I don't know that. I don't know that you can just no one. No one is actually Saban's peer. That's understood, but that's the closest thing to it. And I, Mac's just not a guy who has that same voice on the sport that that Saban has. People like Mac Brown, the guy, but they've never respected Mac Brown, the the X and O coach, the same way that they did. A guy like Saban. All right, let's uh, quickly get you what matters to me today. What matters to me is that you go into the weekend with a little bit of a smile. And so we said, let's uh, let's entertain you here just with uh, 
the uniqueness of what the Internet can bring us sometimes. Uh, this is from a TikTok account. It was posted on uh, TikTok by a gentleman whose uh, handle is all cap, no clout. He is uh, an Alabama fan, and he wanted to pay tribute to his departing coach, Nick Saban. I'm proud to be a Bama fan, where at least I know I've seen six national championships by those Nick Saban built teams. I'll stand up next to you, still yelling roll tide. There's not a man that could fill his shoes. Nick Saban till I die. Ah, stirring. Beautiful. Uh, that's the thing you wonder about. All, all kidding aside, hey, look, man, you, you live your life. You want to be on the Internet and have some fun. Why not? Uh, <laughs> but you do wonder if you are Kalen DeBoer. Like, I wish somebody would show Kalen DeBoer that video. And, and by the way, you can't see it. At the end of the video, the guy's holding his autographed Saban helmet, and he literally is kissing the the helmet. I, I, I just wonder if you're Kalen DeBoer. For all the coaching you've done, all the places you've been, playing a bunch of games, the head coach at D2, Big Ten offensive coordinator, successful stint at Fresno State, and then in the national title game at Washington. I'm not saying Washington fans don't care about their team. They clearly do. They don't care about it like that. <laughs> they just don't. Uh What's it going to be like with him dealing with that? Alabama's a lot, man. It really is. And when you've never worked at a place that's remotely like Alabama, much less been at Alabama, I wonder about how Kalen DeBoer's going to deal with that, especially when that guy's in a bad mood as opposed to celebratory. Hey, that is presented by ThisStuffMatters.net. Big thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to you for hanging out the last few days. Thanks to David Holloway for producing the show. Chuck is back on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see them. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.